0: thank you oh it's so good to be here and uh uh worship in english it's so different uh than uh, my world but uh and seeing all of you wearing shoes and nice clothes and some of you have taken baths and i'll talk to you later but uh <laughs> but but it's uh it's very different from my world um Today I'm just, uh, really this morning I was at the, at the beach and uh, the service there. and It's, it's so uh, very different from what I'm used to. I'm used to being in a mud hut and all that or, or even this. As a matter of fact, I was sitting there preaching and all of a sudden the guy with the metal detector comes in front of me looking for things in the sand. I thought it was kind of strange. But anyway, it, it's good to be here. And a uh, couple of things before I begin. These cards, if you fill them out, I need to warn you, you'll get our junk mail. You'll hear about the weird things we're doing and the awesome things God's doing in Africa. And If you don't want our junk mail or anything like that, or, you know, keep track of what God's doing there, don't fill it out. <laughs> but, uh, but I need to ask, does anybody not have one of these cards? Raise your hands if you do not have one, two, three, and Todd's uh, on that anymore. Okay. Anyway, uh, also, uh, this morning I shared a totally different message I'm going to share here. So uh, so you might want to get that message. I shared a message about how a Canadian Jewish boy like me ended up being a a professional and a Christian in Montana and ended up in Africa. But uh, today I'm going to... Talk more about Africa and what God's doing in Africa. Um, by the way, my wife says to say hi to the church. My wife, is, my wife, I love to say it, is the most godly person I've ever met. My wife is my hero. I wish I could be half the woman she is. Wait a second. That didn't sound quite right. But anyway, she's uh, pretty awesome. But anyway, she says to say her regards, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. Yes, there is. I'm going to be sharing from an African context. I'm going to be sharing about Africa. And uh, if I come across like I'm throwing a trip on you, like you're less of a Christian if you don't go to Africa, that's not my heart and it's not God's heart. But I believe we're all called to go and do something, whether it's across the street, across town, or across the country. We're all called to be part of it. There's uh, Being a Christian isn't a spectator sport. It's a... Uh, participant. God wants everybody on the field. So uh, anyway, if I throw a trip on you, forgive me. It's not my heart. Uh, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, I want to say I'm really, really honored not just to be here, but the fact that Tommy's here. Tommy's like one of my heroes. He doesn't just talk it. He's trashed his whole life for people that the world thought was trash. And uh, he, you know, he's like one of my role models in life. And it's uh, just an honor that he's here. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for allowing us into your living room and being part, that you've chosen us to be part of what you're doing. Lord, help us not to waste this time, but that you'd, you and you alone would be glorified in all that's said and done, we pray. Amen. Good. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, I was a Jewish kid from Canada, and I ended up, you know, getting into the world, getting in a lot of trouble, and uh, um, then I ended up uh, getting a whole bunch of university degrees, and uh, graduate school, law school, a few others, and uh, becoming a professional, and I always wanted to become a Christian, but I, you know, uh, never could find a Christian that could tell me about Christ. They always yelled and spit, and I don't know why. But, uh, but anyway, I, um, but anyway, I finally did get saved, I think, and uh, and uh, but much later, after I became a Christian, I realized there's more to being a Christian than just going to church and just having the bumper sticker, that uh, or just being saved. That we have a purpose here. If we didn't have a purpose, why didn't he just call us home uh, today? but we have a purpose. And and uh, what I shared this morning is basically a question, is God real? Gosh, that's a stupid question to come to a church and say, is God real? Well, I think most of us, uh, hopefully everybody would say, yeah, he's real. Well, is he 100% real or 40% real and uh, 10% real? Well, back in those days, I was living for myself, the American dream, the 2.3 kids and the uh, you know the retirement home and whatever and the Lord starts saying I want 100% of you and I go you know I don't know I don't want to trash my life I've worked really hard to get to where I'm at and you know I don't want to let go of it and I'll just keep you at a 40% God and uh, you know he wasn't settling for that so uh, I wrestled with God and ended up saying I'll, I'll surrender all I'll go where you are uh, you know I surrender you know, sounds like, uh, the French, you know, I surrendered, Uh, but, uh, you know, I surrendered. And, uh, and, uh, the God said, okay, then how about reaching the loss of the world? I'm sorry. Are you French? <laughs> I offended half the people here already. Great. Anyway, uh, as, as a result of that, we made a mistake of reading Matthew 19 about the rich young ruler. And We realized, in comparison to people around us all in Montana, where I had a CPA corporation as a financial advisor to governor and other uh, prestigious uh, businesses I had, um, that I was a rich young ruler. Compared to a lot of people in the world, you are rich you know if you have a car most people in the world don't even own a vehicle uh that you have shoes you know you can be considered rich to this many of the people in Rwanda and uh so you know we're the rich young ruler and then what are you but I wanted more of God I was and I I was talking to Todd yesterday and it's kind of a true confession thing that we talk in the shadows of the the bar and uh and I said, you know, I'm really struggling with plateauing out as a Christian, in that I haven't grown that much in the last three to five years, and that bothers me because I used to grow. You know, I have, a am doing a lot of things, but am I getting closer to God? Am I going to higher places with Him? I'd, am I entering into a greater dimension and intimacy with God? Is He becoming my friend? Uh, is He and me, and me and Him, and I want to grow. I want more of Him. I, but He's saying I have to let go of the things that so easily encumber us and run the race set before us. Uh, I think Hebrews twelve one or And so uh, as a result, Kathy and I made a forty year commitment to reach the hidden half of this world, and uh, we trashed our lives. Uh, Gave away a few hundred acres of land up in Montana and three homes in Montana, businesses, my CPA practice, everything else we had. And we took our six kids, five kids really, uh, back then, to Africa to uh, live for him, not for ourselves. You know, and we could live for ourselves, but. Uh, it's like what he said what what does it gain a man to gain the whole world the reality is you don't gain the whole world because you're gonna have to give it away you know as I look around it's interesting as I was looking around the church this morning and I realized that nobody here really owns their house I was a little surprised at that because you might have title to it while you're alive but you're gonna have to let go of it your investment portfolio, your Teslas, your vehicles, your whatever it is. And we're working so hard for something that's so temporal. And Kathy and I said, we don't want to waste our lives on ourselves. My greatest fear is waking up when I'm 80 years old, turning in bed over to Kathy and said, what have we really done that counts? And I don't want to waste my life. And in the second half of your life, goes faster than the first half and some of you with snow on the roof you know what I'm saying it goes by fast eh <laughs> yeah and uh so I don't want to waste my life the most valuable thing I have is not my investment portfolio or my house or car or whatever I don't have much but it's my life my time and uh, I don't know if some of you may have even had near-death experiences I know uh, I myself at points in my life where I was written off for dead. And uh, you start appreciating the t- fact that you have a life, that you're able to. And so as a result, Kathy and I ended up in what was called the Republic of Transkai. And no one wanted to go there. No one even heard of it. I didn't hear of it. And it's a homeland to the Amikosa people. Uh, is my mic working, by the way? It is, isn't it? Okay. And so anyway, we uh, made a 40-year commitment to work with uh, Osa. Everybody say Osa. That was very good. Some of you dentures did it better than the other ones, but <laughs> it was still good. I was just telling him uh, just uh, before church, I was at a church in uh, Seattle, Washington, where I was talking about the Macabre Osa and uh And from this church, and the pastor runs up and grabs me and yells out to the church, let's pray for his speech impediment. And, so, and they gave me the Pentecostal back rub and they all put their hands forward and I didn't never clicked again. And they're talking about the healing of the little bald headed missionary today. So it's awesome. But anyway, we ended up <clears throat> taking our kids. We didn't know how to be missionaries, you know. Just from a you know, a little place in mud puddle, Montana, whatever. And so we ended up in the trans sky. And uh, uh, as we would go out, the Lord would take us. And uh, obviously, you, you learned the language. Uh, where was... Uh, I, I met some guy from... A, oh, there you are. And, uh, you know, we could talk Zulu this morning. Uh, so uh, that was kind of fun. You know, I don't feel so alone. But uh, But when you go out, we're seeing uh anywhere eighty a hundred a hundred and twenty people come to Christ every night, and so that that might sound really cool that we've you know we're seeing this last year we saw sixty two new churches we've planted we 've baptized four thousand four hundred people this last year alone, and so over the course of time we 've baptized over forty thousand but People are hungry for the gospel. You say blue cheese people get saved. And we go into these villages and we start at sunset and we preach. Uh, Well, really, we worship and pray, to be honest with you. And then around midnight, we start preaching and everybody gets saved. Now, the trans guy now is 8 million people. I I hate numbers. Um. But it's 8 million people. And we had as many as 12 missionaries. But currently, we have no other missionaries. We have 8 million people. And it's just Kathy and I. So my hidden agenda in being here. Hidden agenda is coming out. Is in recruiting laborers into the harvest field. And... uh, I'm here to steal your wife, to steal sheep. Uh, I have no screw. I'll steal your pastor if he lets me. But uh, I am, there's no ethics in me. So uh, I'm here to recruit laborers into the harvest field. As I said at the beginning, you don't have to go to Africa to fulfill God's calling. But you can do it right here. Whether it's Wilmington or Torrance or PV or America. But we're all called to be part of it. So anyway... Would go out into these villages and people get saved. And uh, it's very easy. I'm, obviously, I'm not a really great speaker, but would uh, go out. There's this one pastor, it's uh, quite some time ago, named Dave, uh, Dave Entrosio. We were hiking into a, a village. We stopped to rest by a river. And uh, he says, Well, what do you preach? And I go, I, I just preached John 3.16. He goes, Really, you've been out here, you know, 20, 30 years and you just preached John 3.16? And I go, no, I, I just preach that. I have five sermons. He goes, you only have five sermons? And I go, yeah, three of them are stolen. And he goes, you steal sermons? And I go, they're my best ones. <laughs> but, uh, and if I hear Todd share a great sermon, I'll steal it. You can sue me, I'll be in Africa, but go ahead, try. <laughs> but uh, I'm not really original, I'm not really creative. I try to be faithful. And, uh, but out of that, we're seeing all these people get saved. And, uh, and then somebody came up to the ministry and said, you know, came up to me, visitor, we don't have many visitors, and said, Kelly, it's really awesome that, that you know, we've been here like, a week or two and we've already seen four churches started so but it doesn't say go into all the world and make converts of all nations where's your discipleship and he's right we're totally losing it uh we weren't uh discipling and uh you know as i you because know, i love to see people get saved but you know where's our follow-up and so as a result 20 years ago we started a full-on Bible college, a three-year Bible college full-time, uh, live in uh, with students. And uh, so now we've got a Bible college that we've developed. So we not only have started like almost uh, one 1,450 churches, but now we're putting out in the last 20 years hundreds and thousands of graduates that are going throughout the country with the Word of God. And that's... I think it's really cool because I didn't want to start a Bible college. Because, well, why? Because does the world need another Bible college? Does it say to go into all the world and start Bible colleges? And Most of all, because I've never been to one. But uh, come to find out, Bible college is just discipling in a structured way. So we started a Bible college and now... It's the only black-run Bible college. It's the only Bible college that's in an African language. It's in uh, Osa. So, uh, so if you're you know, uh, Swahili or Maasai or something like that or Shangan, or, uh, you, know, you wouldn't be able to go to our Bible college because we don't speak that language. So, uh, so we, now we have a Bible college. But it's really scary for this boy to start a Bible college. He's never been to one. But when your vision is so big it scares you, it's got to be God. Do you have a vision that's so big it scares you? Has God given you a vision? If not, ask for one. And, uh, and he will. Without a vision, you're going to perish. You individually and you as a church. And uh, the difference between a, a young guy and an old guy is young men have visions. Old men just dream about the good old days, dream dreams. So I want to have a vision. And if you don't have a vision, pray for one. And God will give you one. So now we have all these you know ministries, all these churches that are growing and growing. But we have some problems, and just two of them I'll share right today. And one is that is maybe we'll show the Jesus film, and we'll see five hundred or more people come to Christ tonight. Uh, But it's in Osa. But then um, half of the five hundred people are going to die in the next two years. 48% 48% of my people are HIV positive. 48%, so I do five to seven funerals every day. And that might sound, well, That's kind of, I've been to a funeral, it's not that big a deal, but talking about bloated bodies, decomposing bodies, covered black with flies, and the stench of death, it's, you know, it's not nice. It's it's hard when you see so many people come to a new life of Christ and then they ultimately die. And I don't have time to go over how uh, the AIDS pandemic is spreading so rapidly. Other than to say, I went to the UN, I went to World Health, I went to government and said, is anyone doing anything about it? And they said, no. And I I was trying to find somebody to help and the Lord said, how about you? You know, we always kind of, you know, here I am, send my sister kind of thing. It's, uh, somebody else said, Bill Gates will finance it. I'm not going to give money. But the Lord said, why don't you do it? I go, well, I am I'm not, I'm not a medical person. I stitch people up with dental floss there because there's no doctors. I pull teeth with channel locks and pliers because there's no dentists. I get, deliver babies and do all this stuff. But, uh, but a hospital is a whole different kettle of fish. And so uh, I said, you know, I don't think I can. And not a medical. My wife's a medical background. And uh, she gets a little discouraged with the way I do medicine. But anyway. Uh, she sent me the other day. I couldn't believe it. She sent me to the store. She said, Kelly, could you go to the store and get some B12 vitamins? And I was a math major, so I went to the store and got two bottles of B6. <laughs> and she said, this does not work. And I said, you yeah, I, I know it must work, two sixes are 12, just double your dose. And she said, no, Kelly, <laughs> trust me, but uh, uh, I'm not a medical person. Uh, so, but, but anyway, once again, when God, the vision is so big it scares you, it's got to be God. And the Lord has, through us, built a HIV AIDS hospital that saw 78,000 people last year alone. 78,000. And and that's huge for just a small mom and pop mission. We're not a big corporation. We're not denominational or endowed. So uh, God's doing a big thing in spite of us. So now we're... I'd like to say we're burying less people, but that's not the case. But hopefully we're making an impact. 78,000 in light of many millions of people isn't much. But, uh, but the fallout of the HIV AIDS pandemic is, is uh, you know, the children. You know, you'll see families of five, a family of five where the oldest member of the family is 12 years old they don't have parents they don't have uh orphanage you know you know around the country and so they they do is they accumulate little villages they're just children villages and they live in the shadows of the real village but the real villagers don't like them because they steal their corn from their crops or their clothes from the river and uh and they're just not really wanted, and so they hide in the bushes and in the rocks and all that. And so we're finding these children, starting to minister to children in the last ten years, and uh, they have nowhere to go. So we're so we started a children's center, and uh, and and it's pretty effective, but it's we need to build more outreaches, but the. Children's Center. You know, we we don't we don't have a traditional orphanage. I, I guess to say it, we have uh, somewhere between three and four thousand orphans that we care for, that feed, house, clothes, uh, bring the gospel to, but we don't institutionalize them. So not only do we have the HIV/AIDS hospital, that we have the, the the child care facilities and it keeps growing and like i may have said earlier there's no other missionaries but us in the trans sky of eight million so we're hoping that maybe some of you might have a heart for kids and a calling to africa and so we're uh um, we're have been down there as i said we've made a 40-year commitment i've only been down there 33 years but uh Eight more years, or seven more years, and I don't know. Then maybe it's Bangladesh, or Mongolia, or Torrance, or I don't know. But uh, in a little time I have left, I want to read Matthew. You know, I when I came here, I just go, what could I possibly share with you folks that you haven't already heard from much better speakers, preachers, theologians than I, what can I even share with you Americans that you don't already know? And I really don't know the answer to that. And uh, in coming here, the best I can do is, I just want to share just a few verses in Matthew 9, verse 35, to 38 and um i don't know i don't have it okay said jesus went you know right there alone that's a whole message in itself he didn't stay into jerusalem and start a tv ministry and a mega church and all that he went he went and some of you might be going across the street or somebody you work with or across town or to a relative or Whatever, but Jesus did, didn't stay. The only place in the scripture I think where it says to stay is uh, maybe Acts 1 verse 8 where it says stay into Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit, but ultimately go to you know Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and the uttermost parts. So Jesus went. As our example, Jesus went. Jesus went to, it says, my glasses, says he went to only the cities that spoke English and had Starbucks and the, uh, and what does it say here? No. It says he went to all the towns and cities. So, you know, it, it's kind of um, most, you know, this might be shocking to some of you, But 90% of mission efforts today, globally, are reaching the reached. Less than 10% are reaching the unreached. So the unreached are still unreached as we sit here today. And, but Jesus went to not just some of them that are easy to reach, that had roads and electricity and water, but he wants to reach all of them. Jesus went to all the towns and villages and he did three things it says. Teaching in their synagogues. Teaching. Just simple teaching. The government will give us three and a half dollars for every school we'll reach with the gospel. And we're hardly doing it. We've maybe reached around two, three hundred schools among thousands. And they'll pay us to reach them with the gospel. And Church, you get more gospel on the radio in 10 minutes here than we would get in 10 years in Africa. Most everybody here has a Bible. You know, and it's an honor to be here. But I'm not here to offend anybody. But church, you're pretty fat on the word of God. Are you living out the message that Todd shared two weeks ago or last month? And you're going to get another one next week and next week and so on. Are you really changing and growing? Are you living it out? And you get more and more, well, my people don't have what you take for granted. We've run out of also Bibles way back in April. We don't even have Bibles. And so we go to start. We have churches with no Bibles and we take a pen knife and uh, we slice up the spine of the Bible and one church might get Ephesians and one might get Matthew and and you know because we don't have uh, we've run out of Bibles but you folks have Bible I kind of feel sorry for the ones that get Leviticus but <laughs> but anyway uh, <laughs> but anyway uh, we don't have what y'all take for granted but you have the Word of God the reason why I shared about uh, that I share John three sixteen is because some of you here are gonna say, I could never be a preacher. I haven't gone to, you know, seminary at Fuller Biola or wherever you guys go. You know, let's send Todd, you know, or let's send someone else, but if you know John three sixteen, if you could steal a sermon, you could Jesus said he wants want teaching and so uh, if you could just steal his sermons and bring it over, teaching in their synagogues, claiming uh, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And it is good news to them. When a man buys a wife for 10 head of oxen, and then he goes back to work in the mines factories in South Africa, he only sees his wife for two weeks out of the year in December. And he comes back, gets drunk, he beats her, he rapes her. After all, he bought her, he owns her. And that's their mentality. And uh, to tell them that there's a God who loves you, I can't say there's a God who loves you like your husband loves you. And they go, I don't know if we want that love. And, uh, but they have never experienced love as a child. A young man, uh, a boy, I guess you'd call it, a father would never talk to them until they're twenty years old and uh they become a man because they're a boy, they're not circumcised yet. And so a man would never have a conversation with his son. The mother doesn't raise their children, the Makulu does. The the grandmother, I'm sorry, uh does. And uh, so it's it's very different. And but to bring the good news, now how can I say God loves you like your husband loves you and you've just been beaten and raped by your husband. And uh, so we had to look for a word. The word we look for is Tonda, we found out. And Tonda is the love of a mother to a child. And uh, because they really do cry when they bury their babies. Uh, it's. that That's the love that God has for them. And. And. Uh, The third thing is healing every disease and sickness. And uh, as I said, you know, we don't have doctors. You know, they have me, the guy who can't buy vitamins. And uh, I stitch people up with dental floss, like I mentioned. Pull teeth with channel locks. I'll do a lot of things that are pretty gross, but... um, And we have the medicine for leprosy. But who's going to reach the tens of thousands of villages? And it's very easy to see leprosy on a black person because their skin becomes white. Matter of fact, they call it the painless death is a nickname for leprosy. Uh, You rot to death, but you don't have any pain when you die of leprosy. Um, So if any of you are medically in kind, but you know, one out of five babies dies of dysentery, which you call diarrhea, and uh, because they're playing in their father's poop or whatever. And well, you might not be a doctor, but I could show you that if you boil water and add salt and sugar to it, you can rehydrate that baby, and you don't have to put him in a bag and bury him. So uh, you don't have to have gone to medical school. Healing, every... Disease and sickness of all kinds. And, and when he saw the people, scripture says he had compassion on them. It doesn't say he had pity. Pity is kind of like, you know, feeling sorry, but compassion is an action word. Like you can watch this video, and some of you can go home and say, Oh, I saw this National Geographic show by the little bald headed guy and blow it off. But if you have the compassion of Christ, It's going to require an action on your part. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to pray? Are you going to go? Are you going to support? Are you going to get involved? But God help you if you do nothing. But Jesus sees this every day. When he saw the people or saw the video, I guess, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless Like sheep without a shepherd. Now, we came down there during apartheid era, and I can't. I don't even want to get into all the things with apartheid, but it was a a horrible time in South Africa, where white people used black people for target practice, where they could rape pastors' wife and never pastor couldn't charge them. Black people had no rights at all, voting or legal rights. And uh, to work with people that were helpless and uh, like sheep without a shepherd. And I never really understood that until I went down in the shadows of apartheid. And then he said to his disciples, and this is why I'm here. Really, this is why I've traveled 10,000 miles to be here at the river today to say just what Jesus said. The harvest is plentiful. That's it. The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. We don't have the workers. They're all in Dallas or Wheaton or somewhere else, but they're definitely not in Sky. And you folks have what my people don't have. The harvest is plentiful. I can tell you it's, harvest is ripe. People are dying on the vine, but the workers are few. Last verse, it says, therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. I was praying last night about what and how I could share here. I was somewhat nervous because I don't know what to share with you folks. And I said, well, I'll, okay, I'll ask the people, to send out laborers. And the Lord just seemed to say, don't ask them, beg them. And I'm here on behalf of the Lord to beg you to reach the lost somewhere in the world. Doesn't have, you don't have to go to Rwanda or Sky. but you guys have your own scope of influence. I want to close with one last testimony promise i was uh i was in a doing a three-week crusade and i was in this one uh, village called magwebi and uh it grew in you know in the mud hut and the dung floor and the grass roof and and uh, you know many people got saved and we hiked in there and um me and my apostolic team and and uh it was, we're doing a three day crusade in Mugwebi and people from the surrounding villages came and it was so big it outgrew the mud hut, the rondavel, and um, uh, people were on their blankets on the field and we had a bullhorn and we're preaching to them and after three days it was time to move over and we needed to cross the Mbashi River and go to the north into the and to the Pondoland. And uh So, I was packing up my stuff that afternoon to move on, and uh one of the there's three visiting chiefs from surrounding villages they came to the crusade, and this one came to the doorway of the rondndovel, and he wouldn't come in and he had his walking stick and his blanket around him and he uh he just stood there the strangest thing he didn't say you know, Molo Kanjani or anything like that. He just stood there and uh, and he wouldn't come in. So I go out to him and say, yeah. and, uh Molo Tata Kanjaniweno, you know, with Sapila. And and he pointed across the valley. He says of course we're speaking also he says, see that big tree on the far, far mountain. That's my village called Umtombani. And it's bigger than Mugwebi. You must come, bring this Jesus to my village. And I told him, I said, you have to get on the list and wait like everyone else. There's a at least two year waiting list for us to get out there. We have hundreds and hundreds of villages that want the gospel. And he said, no, you're you don't understand we need the gospel now we need what you shared brought to magwebi we need it and i and he's pulling on my sleeve of my coat and just kind of begging me he says we want this jesus in my village you must come we can't wait two years and finally i just said we're booked up solid i'm sorry and he pleaded with me and finally just stopped and he just kind of looked at me and I, and I could see the tears washing the dust from his face. And he just looked at me and put his blanket over his shoulders with his walking stick, just walked away down the path. And as I watched him walk away, I could feel his frustration because he wanted Jesus that we know and he didn't want to wait two years. And as he walked away, I need to admit, I've, I'm frustrated because I want to go to Umtombani and all of these villages. But uh, we don't have the laborers, the workers. But more than that, more than the chief being frustrated, me being frustrated, my Lord is frustrated because he wants to reach the tens of thousands of unreached villages And folks, you have in your hands what we don't have. You have John 3.16. You have Todd's sermons. You have the word of God. But I'm just praying that of all of you, that there might be one, two or a half dozen of you that might say, here I am, send me. can come down to minister to my people what you've taken for granted maybe uh let me just close with a little two minute video and turn it over to todd so whoever uh the projectionist you can start it turn out the lights uh